Episode one of MASH. Uh, welcome, and uh, what I'm gonna, what we're gonna start with is I'm gonna let the president of our club actually introduce the club and himself, and this will give us a starting point in which to jump off of. Damien Hi everyone. Perry. I am Damien. <laughs> Damien Perry. Uh, president, current president of the Marin Society of Homebrewers, uh, often referred to as MASH. So just some brief club background info uh, of MASH started in 2011 at Jane and m Homebrew Supply. Uh, in 2012, we incorporated, essentially. Um, we are a 501c3. We have meetings monthly. Uh, they were at J&M. Um, with the current environment, they have canceled. Um, I'm working on a new plan for those. Mike is helping with this MASH podcast. Um, we do have uh, membership. You, know, you don't have to become a member, um, but it's $25 annually, prorated each quarter. Uh, we do quarterly style club competitions where choose a style we present on a style club members brew it and then club members popular vote anonymously for the best one and we do have prizes for the top three finishers we also try to have educational components in all of our meetings we'll talk about matching malt hop water brewing techniques any topic anyone may have a question, uh, as well as competitions, local competitions that are going on. Uh, we'll give personalized feedback on a beer if, if you bring it in. Um, oh, and we also manage the judging for the Marin County Fair competition. Awesome. So with all that information, yep. what, what's the... Um where would they go to get this information, Damien? I mean, how do they sure. get in contact the with the club? Sure. Uh, we also send out a monthly newsletter, and you can you know, become a member, learn about the club, sign up for the newsletter, all at our website, marinmashers.com. Uh, there's also, I think, a contact me there, uh, well, or I should say the MASH general email, which is marinmashers at gmail.com. And we also have a Facebook page that you that uh, a lot of members and even just other local brewers that aren't members are, are part. Awesome. Um, so one of the other things that uh, I wanted to ask about is, you know, we have uh, in the club, we have the ability to uh, provide glass or sell glasses and shirts and other information like that. How often do we do that? Glasses we tend to purchase around time of the county fair to give as thank yous to people that help. 
Um, but we also, you know, have a bunch and we have them throughout the year. If I remember to bring them to meetings, uh, they're always available. Or if there's an event that a number of MASH people are attending with the public, we'll try to bring things uh, there to sell as well. But, but for members, they're, they're always available. You just have to contact them. All right, cool. Now I'm going to try and get uh, John in on the call one second. He's our guest and assistant okay. brewer at uh, Pond Farm Brewing. So let me see if I can get him at it. John? Yep. Okay. Cool. I'm gonna. Wasn't, wasn't sure if I needed to say anything. I didn't know no, 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 no. Uh, yeah, I, I got you. I'm gonna go ahead and merge you in on the call with Damien. You just want me to be quiet until yeah. my part. No, it's all good. All right, I think I got both of you now. the The nice part about doing this is we can edit stuff out as we go. It's not make a file and then ship it out to the world. Um, not just one big take. <laughs> All right, so we covered most of this stuff. Um, so let's talk about what are the club goals and thoughts on how we might be able to grow membership and, and what what the club can provide to members besides just uh, stuff that we talked about, which is the monthly meetings and uh, providing feedback on their beers. Uh, I mean, it's also friendship, camaraderie. Uh, you definitely have something in common with everyone else at those meetings, uh, no matter what walk of life you come from. Uh, you know, people do get together outside of club meetings. Uh, for, bre for brewing, on, right? For brewing, yep. And yep. Uh, we uh, also have what? We do a Christmas yeah, party, camping, right? Club group. We have an annual camping we trip. We have a Christmas party, and we started a kind of a summertime barbecue thing. And I'm not sure how many times we'll do that, but it was fun last year. Um, cool. So I think that covers – is there anything else you wanted to cover just basically on the club itself? Um. Uh. I, well, I, I guess I would also add, you know, as a member, you have access to equipment that the club owns. Uh, we've got jockey boxes, CO2, CO2 manifolds, piston beer gun, uh, drying racks, you know, just miscellaneous equipment that people have donated. Oh, we got the, the Blickman quick, quick Carb. Quick too. Carb as well. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That stuff is available only to members. So. Yeah. All right, so the other thing, uh, I want to introduce John Massman. And, John, just real quickly, uh, you want to give us uh, an introduction um, on what you're doing now and uh, uh, and who you're working with and stuff. Make sure to plug plug them uh, as much as you sure. like. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, first I'd like to reiterate what, what Damien said, that the, the, the club – provides an atmosphere to uh, get together with like-minded individuals, a group of fun guys. Um, I've uh, grown some good friendships and had some fun brew days with the guys in the group, so uh, it's an awesome resource for that. Um, but, uh, so I started brewing, home brewing, back, I think my first batch was back in 2013. Um, 
I think I, I started like most people start with in my kitchen with a small extract kit. And uh, I think my first one was the Pliny Elder Clone. Ironically, had never had that beer before. So it would be uh, interesting <laughs> you, to see how my you started, would stand you, up. It wouldn't you didn't, be anywhere close to what it is. But, you didn't start with an easy beer, obviously. No, no, I, ju- I jumped right in, you know, and uh, it, it honestly turned out drinkable. Um, like I said, I don't know how it, uh, it, it wouldn't hold a candle to the actual playing the elder, but um, that pretty much sucked me in and uh, you know, I started, started my brewing path. Um, I think uh, my first mash meeting was 2014, 2015. Um, I've been going ever since. Um, and uh, quickly went from extract to all grain, and then just completely got uh, just taken by the home brewing bug. Um, but uh, yeah, so that, that's kind of you know been doing this I guess for about six or seven years now. Um, and then recently, uh, last year, started uh, brewing professionally as a assistant brewer at Pond Farm Brewing Company in San Rafael. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's been an awesome year. The the, the brewing trip wasn't as deep as I thought it was going to be. Um, going from home brewing to uh, you know on a five gallon system to a fifteen barrel system. Yeah, um, what, what was that transition the like? Intimidation of the equipment and the volume and all that. Yeah. Um, was that transition painful a, or, or fun? Scaled up in was... if I say easier way to brew than home brewing. Was that transition difficult, or was it just kind of fun to play um, with bigger toys? It, it, it was a little intimidating at first, especially just sitting there looking at the brew house, um, all the pumps, the control panel, the, the, the volume of it, uh, you know, and, and not having any real experience of partaking in a in a in a in a, in a, in a, a batch at a at a brewery, but. Um, Right. hadn't really been hands-on so i guess it was just kind of uh learning how to scale up um, what was but, uh, what was the coming... what was some of the surprising aspects in that process was it different types of yeast or um just you know was there just more science behind it what was some of the things that were um specific to to your challenges as far as moving into those larger systems? Right. You know, I don't, I guess the biggest surprise was that it, from my perspective, it's easier to brew on a larger scale. You know, I, I Why? was expecting it to be a lot more work, but it's basically the same kind of brew day. Um, and I can only speak to the setup in the brew house at Pond Farm and it's a, a brand new one it's highly automated uh, we have both pneumatic pumps and some you know uh, pneumatic valves and some hand valves so a lot of it is just controlled moving work around from the control panel yeah you know pushing buttons um and i know a lot of breweries have diy their stuff and patched it together kind of the, uh, the roots of, of brewing is just trying to figure stuff out and make it work for, for your brewery and what you're brewing um like but, like, uh, like yeah. Benoit and Casper, their stuff seemed kind of patchwork. Yeah, yeah. So it's you know, to the brewers, you know, you get different capital up front. You know, yep, yep. Trying to, you know, 
be uh, you know not cheap, but just you know be economical with with where your money goes. And, you know. and yeah, make the correct investments up front, so you don't have to make six yeah, more so down the mean, road. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I had the benefit of walking into a brand new brewery and a brand new brew house, and let's see how that that works. But um, seeing some of the the practices and methods from uh, home brewing on a, on a larger scale has just been uh, not eye-opening, but just really informative. Uh, you know, learn a lot about yeast harvesting and yeast storage and, and repitching. Um, we use most of our yeast. Uh, we have one lager strain that we, we bought one pitch of a year ago, and we still have that same pitch going. Sorry about that. Um, so that, that's always one thing I wanted to try and, and do on the humper level, but doing such a small volume, uh, it just is a lot more. It, it seemed like a lot more work than just paying, you know, five, ten bucks for a, for a new pitch every time. Yeah, I, I hear you. All right. So what I want to do right now. Um, oh, one last question about pond farms. Um, as I sit here and sip on my kick wheel is. Uh, from the time that you guys opened, uh, did the growth of the both the types of beers and the amount of beers kind of meet the expectation, or was there a higher demand than was anticipated? I'm just yeah, curious so, from a growth perspective of the industry. You know, right, we see right. we see we see these smaller brew brew companies kind of come up, hit a peak, and then just gradually tail off. We've seen them up in Petaluma. We've seen them in Rona Park. Right. And I just kind of want to get an idea of what you guys are seeing and how you're adapting. Sure. sure. So we are actually coming up April 5th, I think, was the first of our soft openings um, last year, this last year. So it's, we're coming up on our, on our one-year anniversary, which uh, unfortunately we won't be able to celebrate now, but uh, we're hoping to do something once this whole current uh, world situation passes. Um, but yeah, we're on track to do about the volume that Trevor, the owner of Head, Head Brewer, had uh, projected when he put the business plan together. Um, I think we're going to be about 800 to 900 barrels. Um, nice. And we've uh, can, you know, just a, a steady growth in uh, both taproom sales and uh, started doing some out, outside sales as well. Um, uh, but I think the one thing that they focused on, Trevor and Seth, the owners, is uh, just having a community hub as opposed to just another craft brewery that makes great beer. Yeah, I agree. Like you guys know, there's a ton of them out there. Yep. So they really focus on the community aspect. So we have some really loyal customers. Um, and that's that's growing, and, and the, the focus and the, the you know what we do is based around the customers in our community, um, and if that translates outside to of the community and our beer goes far, farther, so be it. Um, but they really wanted to be a, a picture in the community, a gathering place for the members uh, of, of our community and uh, the surrounding communities, and just set it up uh, very family friendly. Um, I think that that has really pushed some some you know slow but steady growth over the past year. Nice. Um, that and you know getting a GABF award and a ABIPA category didn't hurt. Yeah. 
Yeah, I want to add a couple more things to your your comments about family-friendly and things that you guys do to support the community. And one of them is, you know, if you come in on a bicycle, um, uh, you get a discount off your your beer. I think you guys also do something for teachers. Is that right? Yep. We we do a dollar off pints for teachers, a dollar off for bringing your your helmet. We see your youth. Basically, at the show, that you, do you guys do any, any other like dollar offs, like first responders, uh, firemen, um, police, and we, stuff like that? I, I don't. We don't do anything in that regard. Um, we had started a, a, a student night for the the local oh, university. Nice. Um, and you guys have like a kids section, right? When I was there we, a few we, months, we do have a yeah, we do have a designated kids area, um, and we try to keep that under control. You know, it's one of the you know, positives for us being a community family friendly. Um, that we do occasionally get knocked for that. Because um, you come in on the weekends, there's a lot of families, a lot of kids, a lot of activity. A lot of, a lot um, of Lysol. <laughs> yes, uh, we, we do a lot of cleaning in that, in that area. Uh, but we have a big space, so if that's not your thing, there's, there's ways to get away from it. We have an outside career garden. We have a back brick room that's that's open if it's not being used it's also uh, available to be uh, reserved for events yeah um, and so the pretty big fun space yeah the other two things are that i that i like are you guys have uh you guys invite people to bring their own food in there with their beers and then secondarily you guys have a lot of uh pop-ups uh th- that come to the brewery to provide um the ability to eat right there on site, but not actually have yeah, a kitchen, right? Yeah, yeah. We there's there's space and plans for a kitchen. Um, at this point, um, it was in the planning process. I'm not sure what the current situation has, has done to that plan, but um, the pop up has been great for us, and it's a, it's a way again to to help serve our community by supporting other local vendors that you know, they get to come in. Um, and we provide them a, a space and area to to uh, to sell their food. That's that's so it, it's been awesome. it's been a really good thing. That's awesome. I wish you guys all the success in the world, and and you too, John. So we're going to kind of transition uh, back to microbrews. And John, I invite you to stay if you'd like. But if you sure. uh, have to help your wife vacuum, that's that's cool too. <laughs> Um, but I want to get back to the, the homebrewers because essentially that's what this group is about, right? We're about uh, supporting and making homebrews and helping each other make homebrews. And um, I think one of the, the things that we have some folks that are relatively new to the group. Um, uh, Damien could probably speak to that more. But what ends up happening every single year is we get a few uh, new members. And to be honest, I kind of get a feeling that um, and you can you can speak up to this Damien or John is that they might get, you know, a little lost or a little overwhelmed just from the sense of how much data there is out there. I know I did when I first started a long, long time ago. Um, but I guess, you know, where, if you're a new member to our group, I mean, what would we tell them to do? I mean, what, what would best place to start? Do we send them to the local brew store, which we currently don't have one, uh, separate topic, um, uh, to get the bucket and the, the kits and some bottles and, and bottle caps and those types of things. Is that, is that the, still the best place for folks to start or do you guys, 
you know, what is your feelings on, you know, where do you start with beer, making beer? You want to make beer, where do you start? Yeah, sure. I can, I can tell you what I did, and I think it would still work, is, you know, I, well, I went straight to the internet, right? And you Google home brewing, and there are a million websites. Um, there's homebrew shops. Um, I was also lucky enough to have a coworker that homebrewed. So uh, I think between some learn to homebrew videos online and just seeing the process, I got comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's plenty of books uh, that I could recommend as well. Um, I would. Yeah, I was excited to get going. I took a local a class at the local homebrew shop. They were doing free learn to brew classes, um, and so you know, after months of reading about it online, I went to the class, and then I think that the next day I was at Amazon buying a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, the following weekend, I brewed my first batch. I went back to the follow up class on bottling, um, and then that's it. I was you were hooked. I was going. So, um, for all the men uh, so out there, there's, there's a lot of ways to learn. Yeah. yeah, but how did your wife? Did you brew of, your first beer yeah. inside? Uh, no, I was outside. It was okay. on a, uh, a propane burner. Okay. Um, so I did do a full five gallon batch the first time. <laughs> okay. So if you are starting, don't. I mean, you can just dive in. It's fine. But really, I think what you have to look at is uh, the amount of space you have and your budget. Yeah. Do you have a garage you can brew in, or are you brewing on a kitchen stove? And then that will help you buy equipment that, you know, I, I am fortunate enough to still be using, you know, buckets and, and pots from when I started. Um, and it's good to be able to, to buy something that will you know, last through all the iterations of your, your brew process. Yeah, we, we should probably do, at some point, we can do another one of these on beer equipment because stuff like, not using aluminum pots and some other things that might be kind of a, a good filler for folks to kind of fill, round out some of their knowledge if they're still new to it. I guess my next question would be, um, if we are a new brewer and we're trying to decide on what beer should we make as our first beer, do we just pick a beer we like or do we pick a beer that we know is somewhat forgiving? I mean, because if you pick one that you like, keeping it simple. Yeah, I, the reason I say that is, I, I would think that if you start with one that you are that you really like, like you, even though you never tasted Pliny, you heard it was really good, right? So you went out and you made it, and it, you said it was okay, but then you go to taste it, and like you said, it wasn't even close, or, no. but it was still fun to make, and you could drink it, etc. So, um, you know, what if we go in the direction of keeping it simple again which which beers are probably more forgiving than other beers yeah i mean no matter what you brew first make sure it's a style you like because you're going to have you know potentially five gallons of it so don't just brew something because it's easy make sure you also like the style Uh, but you can't go wrong with you know like an english bitter or American brown ale, or maybe a porter or stout, those can be forgiving with the roasted grain. Um, English beers, some of them are, are meant to have some yeast derived some, characters. Some, uh, some flavors. Some unique flavors. Yeah. yeah. 
they they also don't require dry hopping or anything else. That's like I think keeping it, your process simple on that first year. Uh, it's going to help yeah. you learn the process um, and hopefully end up with the product that you like. Um, try something too complicated that takes too many steps or a little more advanced. You might end up with a really bad batch and frustrated and, you know, who knows, give, give up right. before you even get going. Yeah, and, and you're, you know, you're investing at least half a day, you know, on the actual brew day. You know, that's a lot of time plus the ingredients. You know, you don't need to spend yeah, $50 so, on hops. Right. So when we talk, yeah, when we talk about a specific, um, when you're making your beer and some key things that, you know, you, in the process, there's some very key uh, things that everybody needs to know. Uh, I think from my perspective, uh, the biggest thing to focus on during the entire process, uh, one of the things that I, I used to tell myself in my head is pretend I'm performing surgery uh, because uh, literally everything needs to be as uh, sanitized as possible because just even the smallest bugs uh, can ruin your beer. So, um did you guys w want to talk about sanitation at all or, um, you know, what that involves? Um, and then uh, I guess, John, you guys are using caustics on your equipment, correct? Uh, no, we, we use PPW for, for most oh, of really? For a three and a yeah, half barrel just, system? Uh, yep. Oh, that's yep. cool. PPW, hot, hot PPW does, does wonders. Yeah, about 180 degrees, right? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll do that. If I run a cycle on on a mash tun or the kettle, I can use the, the boiler jacket and get that pretty close to boiling. I usually keep it about one eighty five. Um, but yeah, if you keep up with the cleaning, the PVW is, is is awesome. Yeah, what's the um, um? How do you guys passivate those larger tanks? Is there? I mean, I'm pretty sure you're not using star sand. Are you using something else? Uh so we use parasitic acid. Oh, okay. DAA. Yeah. Um, basically for, for, for sanitizing. Um, yeah, so we have a, it, it's pretty much, I think, about 1.5 ounces for every five gallons. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's pretty concentrated, strong stuff coming out of the container. Yeah. Um, so yeah. these are, you know, obviously gloves and glasses and proper safety precautions. But yeah, we don't use surf sand. We use, uh, Spray bottles of isopropyl, seventy percent isopropyl alcohol to uh, quick sanitize little things here and there, little ports and whatnot. Um, but we, uh, for all the hardware, the valves and the clamps and gaskets and whatnot, we use uh, PVW to clean them, and we use an iodine bath to, to sanitize them when they're soaked for a while. Oh, I never even thought about using isopropyl alcohol. That's a good. Good call. Yeah, no. Does it, it affect? Uh, does it affect any of the? Um, I, I know it probably doesn't affect stainless steel, but what about some of the the Teflon liners and stuff and home brewing equipment that we would face? Um, I started using. It, I was using star sand and maybe iodine a little here and there home brewing. Uh, but when it was one of the things I learned is use isopropyl alcohol. Is it, you know, star sand is supposed to touch the surface for about three minutes for it to properly. You know, kill everything. It probably right. does a pretty good job just spraying it on there, um, killing most things. But the isopropyl alcohol kills it instantly. 
and it gives you that smell of like, oh, that's that's, that's clean and, and sanitized. So um, I started using it at homebrewing, and I still use more star sand than isopropyl, but for a couple of things here and there, um, just quick spraying a little, you know, little ports or what whatnot. Uh, I find it works really well. Great. That's that's good info. Thanks. Appreciate that because now I can I've learned yeah. something today. I can go do that as soon as as soon as isopropyl alcohol um, becomes available again. Yeah, <laughs> so you probably can't find it right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely could not find it right now. So um, I guess from a new brewer's perspective, guys, if we're looking at um, our first couple batches of beer, um, what? How would we manage our expectations so we don't get discouraged and just say, screw this, I don't want to do it? How did you guys get through that where I've made a couple bad or someone makes a couple bad batches type thing? Yeah, you know, I I, I still occasionally have a bad batch. Um, yeah, I still homebrew. I brewed yesterday. Uh, so uh, even though I'm doing it commercially as, as, as employment, um, I, I still love homebrewing. Um, but I, to kind of go back to how I started, I know Damien had, had a slightly different path than I did. I had, I was living in Southern California and had access to a great home brew shop, um, that was very knowledgeable and, and guiding me in the right direction. Um, and I believe it came with a few, uh, online videos that they had directed me to that kind of broke down the basic brew day. They also gave that to me in a, in a, in a document, a printed out version of it. Uh, so I think just keeping your expectations, you know, to do something simple, following the directions as best you can, um, you should end up with a, a decent product to drink the first time. Yeah. So, Damien, what's, then, your, what's your take on that? Damien's trying to brew right now. All right, same yeah. time. <laughs> turn the pump off. Turn off mute. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, mashing right now. Um, the, the best part of being new to home brewing is most likely you don't even know what the mistakes are. So you may have something in your beer. You're like, oh, this this tastes like I don't know popcorn. That's, that's neat, you know. <laughs> kind of buttery this is cool and you love it because you just made beer so no matter what you make the first time as long as as long as you can drink it right infected as long as you can drink it you're going to be amazed that you just made beer yeah um, it's going to be cloudy they all are it's homebrew um and so just just enjoy it and i want to just quickly go back to one thing john touched on uh briefly for homebrewing and starting is uh, safety. You know, try not to wear shorts. Don't wear flip flops. <laughs> Don't wear flip flops. When you're brewing, you've got a giant, yeah, giant kettle of hot water that can very quickly boil over. Um, Don't brew in your closed garage gloves. with propane. <laughs> with propane, no. Uh, I keep the door open and I'm electric. Um, I now have, you know, long gloves that are waterproof on the outside heat resistant so uh, be safe because it, it is dangerous uh, and sanitation cleanliness it can't be sanitized if it's not clean so it was important to go over the 
the cleaning, the PBW, and the sanitizing. And quite frankly, if it's clean, sanitized, your beer is going to turn out fine. Just be paranoid of, of, of things being clean that you're going to ferment in and, and everything. And, and your first beer, your first batch, you have to post it on Facebook and ask if it's infected. That's uh, every, everybody does it, so just do it right away. Get it out of the way. Um, a good way of telling, yeah. Go ahead. Crowdlands are weird looking, and and just seeing all that yeast moving around. Is, you know, to be honest, if they've never seen it before, it's going to be weird looking anyway. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, some of the things to look forward to, uh, we're going to publish this out for our group. Uh, feel free to share it with everybody after I get it edited. Um, one of the things that, that we'll probably follow up with, uh, on this is we'll probably do this in, until, um, we can have our meetings back. Um, probably monthly we'll cover whatever quarterly styles and stuff. So, uh, Damien, from a club perspective, what are the have we decided any quarterly styles, any specific tastings? Have we heard if the county fair is still going to be going on in July? Yeah, I still have not heard anything from the county. I need to reach out and ask. Uh, but they have not, <clears throat> excuse me, sent anything to me. Okay. Yeah, I know a lot of the uh, beer competitions have been meeting. shut down. Yeah, yeah. Although... Um, the NH, local NHC first round is actually being judged. Really? Uh, last I heard, yep. They are, you know, social distance judging. Um, How would you do that? <laughs> you have four. You have a couple judges tasting a style that is six feet apart. That's that would be interesting. Yeah, yeah, that or or even you, you know you submit remote. two bottles. Uh, yeah, the remote. Each each judge gets one. Yep. They, they could be doing that. I'm not I'm not exactly sure. I just know that. Uh, so you're not getting your barley wine back, right? I'm not getting my barley <laughs> wine. No. That's okay. I'm just glad it's getting judged. Um, but, yeah, in terms of club meeting, we can, we can do this. I'm looking into potentially doing a Zoom meeting uh, so we can still do presentations. Uh, we can still all get together and chat. Um, all you need is an Internet connection. I think you know, a Most lot of people, people are doing that, that yeah. socially yeah, or, or at work. Um, so I think that'll be a good option for the club to, to meet in April. Um, and maybe we can do a couple happy hours as well. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they did it at your office, right? They did the virtual happy hour, and there you were pouring directly from your keyser. I think you mentioned that to me the other day. I was. That's awesome. Yep. That's awesome. Um, and that brings up two, two additional points, and I'll just kind of tag on these before we wrap up, and that is um, you, you mentioned uh, judging. And so for everybody who's listening or will listen, uh, Damien, is a, uh, you want to let us know what your specific um, judging title is? Because I know there's a couple different ones oh, out there. Oh, my, my rank? Yeah, your rank. Yeah, my rank is certified. Okay, so Damien's a certified beer judge. The rest of us are just certifiable beer judges. Um, and then the last thing I had uh, was, you know, 
one of the things that we all like to do with our beers is share our beers, right? So um, one of the important aspects of sharing those beers with each other and sending them in for judging, et cetera, et cetera, is um, being able to digest the feedback, right? Some people, uh, like myself, are a little overly sensitive for feedback, and so we don't spend a lot of time sending them in to be judged, but um, maybe maybe you guys can speak a little bit on how to uh, digest the feedback on those beers, because that will tell any new brewer, uh, which this is kind of essentially focused to, um, what they might expect people to, or experienced beer drinkers, what type of feedback they might expect from folks. I would say feedback is going to make your beer better. Um, and like you said, Mike, yeah. it, it, sometimes it's hard to take criticism, um, especially something you've, you've, uh, you've developed a recipe and you've gotten it, it, it's taken all this time to properly brew it and ferment it and package it. Um, it's not an easy thing to set it out there in the world and have other people taste it and give you feedback. But, um, and I haven't entered too many of them, but the feedback I've gotten has definitely improved my beer. Um, just, you know, what the judges wrote about whatever style I submitted. Um, it, it's usually constructive criticism on ways that, you know, they're trying to help you out become a better brewer. So, I'm recording, guys. Um, I would say just get, try, try to, grow a thicker skin and, and just do it. How about you, Damien? Because I know you yeah, went from six yeah. years ago, seven years ago, starting brewing, and now you're a, a beer judge. So you've got a lot of quick, recent information on your belt. How, what's your feeling on this? Yeah. So, you know, when you're studying to become a judge and when you're when you're filling out those score sheets, you, know, you don't know what the brewer did. You need to be objective. can't make assumptions. And your whole goal is to help that brewer make a better beer next time. Right. You, know, you shouldn't be mean. Uh, that serves no purpose other than making you look like a jerk. Uh, you're trying to help someone who's new, who needs advice or wants advice, make a better beer next time. All right. And, so, so let me just you know, add to that. What you smell, taste, and see. Yeah. So my, my question, I, I won't say question, but my comment is, uh, when we were judging last summer, and I was with Mike Riddle on the Belgian beers, um, and we opened up the beers, and they just started foaming over. And as you bring them up to um, your lips to try and taste it, you could tell that it's infected and stuff like that. Um, so I guess my advice to people who are submitting beers that are new brewers is to taste it yourself first. Um, and, uh, you know, we you submit multiple beers. So if the first one comes out bad, we could say, well, it was a bad bottle and then we'll open up a second one. And if it's exactly the same, then we assume that it's the batch. So do you have advice from uh, other than taste your own beers uh, to these folks or don't submit it if you feel it's bad? It's, um, it's probably not worth submitting if you, if it's, if you know it's horribly infected, if you can't bring it to a local homebrew club or a local shop to say, hey, what's wrong with this, then you probably have to submit it to get that feedback. Um, but, you know, unless you've intentionally brewed a wild beer, I, I mean, infected beers have a very distinct smell and taste, and, and you just don't want to drink it. Um, 
you can have an over-carbonated beer that's going to explode out of the bottle, but it'll still be very drinkable. So, yeah. Um, well, I recently if you, if you last find it difficult to drink, or you give it to your friends and they don't say, "Hey, can I have another one?" Yeah, it's probably not <laughs> worth submitting to a competition. Yeah. So I'm I'm not a big sour beer guy, as you guys know, but um, John, do you remember that uh, farmhouse beer you made for, uh, and brought to the Christmas party last Christmas? It might be the Christmas before, actually. It had like a brown cardboard with a rubber band on it. You had a farmhouse that you brought. Yeah, I, 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 I brought one. I brought one of the bottles home, and I just drank it like a few days ago. It was awesome. Just let you know. Really? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. I I think I got. I think I know what you're talking about. It was uh, one that I got a culture from uh, Kevin Zoo. <laughs> Kevin Zoo. Yeah, that's a whole episode unto itself, I think. Yeah, yeah, or several. <laughs> All right, guys. For sure, so, get Ed on that, too. Oh, yeah, Ed. Well, he's, yeah, both of them. Well, I think, all right, so, yeah, that's a separate not to want to distract uh, this conversation. Um, so I appreciate you both joining. Uh, Damien, could you just one more time provide the information for getting a hold of the club? And then after that, we'll wrap it up. Sure, absolutely. And for the, for the record, I have provided uh, live phone support for first-time brewers. Um, but to contact the club, it's marinmashers.com. Uh, email the club marinmashers at gmail.com. I don't remember the name of our Facebook group. I think it's just Marin Society of Home Brewers, but there should be a link from our website. Um, all the information to get in touch with any of us is at marinmashers.com. And there, there's several people that, that um, monitor that inbox, correct? All the officers, or is it just you? Uh, they All officers have access to it. I don't know if any others are actually going in there and checking things out. All right, perfect. Well, well, we'll figure that out later. All right, guys, I just want to thank both of you for taking the time out on the weekend. I know it was a little bit of a, a scramble to get this set up, but uh, we'll hopefully get this out, and I'll send the link out to you, Damien, and put it on our Facebook and uh, folks can listen to it after we get it tweaked so we can remove some of the uh, long pauses and stuff like that. So I appreciate you guys taking the time, and thank you very much. Good luck, John. You guys stay safe in the middle of this uh, international pandemic. Well, I think that's redundant, right? Pandemic is international. Pandemic, for sure. And then thank you for putting this all together, and, and it's a great idea, and it's much appreciated. So. Well, you know, people yeah, are sitting at home. Much. They got to have something to do. Now they have you guys to listen to. So that's awesome. So thank you guys. And uh, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Thank you, Mike. All right, guys. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.